Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. One of the places we did end up to do our dog and pony show was the U.S. Coast Guard Academy. Or as it was thought of on the ship as the asshole factory. Gonzo, the Coast Guard years, Key West, episode 13. Going to the Academy and Thanksgiving. As I mentioned in the last episode, we had left the Coast Guard shipyards in Curtis Bay, Maryland, albeit a bumpy departure. And we are now headed for a dog and pony show tour. By this, I mean the Thetis was headed to a few different Coast Guard ports to show off our brand new shiny ship. That and the big-ass black street on the port bow, thanks to Wrong Way Pete. Now, there were rumors, actually, that uh, Wrong Way Pete had lost his ability to helm the ship, at least for a little while. I mean, by lost, I mean they took it away from him. They weren't going to let him actually drive the boat anymore. Now, I'm not sure that was actually true or not, but that was the rumor. I'm not sure exactly what order, like where we ended up. One of the places we did end up to do our dog and pony show was the U.S. Coast Guard Academy, or as it was thought of on the ship as the asshole factory. Also, um, prior to getting on, um, uh, getting underway for um, the Coast Guard Academy, I, I, I did learn a le- one lesson uh, being in Baltimore, um, actually prior to that, actually, it is not to drink before getting underway. Now, this was the lesson that as my time in the Coast Guard um, pro- uh, progressed, I would have forgotten. But th- that'll be for another time. Besides that, I was also underage. So finding opportunities to go out drinking were few and far between. Uh, but it did happen. I mean, a couple of times. Okay, a lot of times, actually. Now, I vaguely remember that we pulled into the Coast Guard Academy in New London, Connecticut, uh, but one of the cool things that uh, we did see, well, that I saw and everybody else saw, I guess, um, I think it was the Thames River, the Thames River. I don't know what they actually called it. Um, it had one of those weird British spellings or something like that. Now, as we're going up the river, we would see cool things like submarines. Yes, I said submarines because sometime back in the late 80s, early 90s, Right across the river from the Coast Guard Academy, well, not right across from the academy, but you know, pretty close in Groton, Connecticut, was where they built submarines. It was kind of cool. And I have some recollection of somebody I knew that uh, knew somebody who worked in Groton, Connecticut. I, I, I don't know. I, this is a long time ago, so clearly I'm, my, my, my memory is foggy. So while we were actually 
in New London, Connecticut. I think it's the first night we were there or one of the nights we were there. We weren't, we're, I think we were only there two nights. One of the ship's officers, I believe it was the weapons officer. Now, this guy was kind of cool. I really didn't understand how young he really was as compared to the rest of us. Uh, but he asked a couple of us to go out that night, like three of us, actually, so a few of us to go out drinking that night, which I thought was kind of cool. Until I realized that we were actually going to go meet some women. And uh, these were women that he knew from his time at the academy. Uh, which was kind of cool. So either he was trying to show us a good time or which I really think it was trying, he was trying to do was to impress one of the women that was going to be there. And he needed us there to be sort of a distraction. So he can, you know, you know, we were kind of like, you know, wingmen, so to speak. As it turns out, it was kind of a short night for everyone uh, because we couldn't get into any of the bars that they wanted to go to. So uh, I think it was me uh, Seaman Dan uh, and the weapons officer. There's the other guy. Man, I can't remember his name, uh, but I can see his face. Um, anyway, it's pretty damn cool. But like I said, it was a pretty short night because uh, we couldn't get into the bars. So basically, the night turned out to be a total fucking bust for the weapons officer. But eh, it didn't matter. It was still kind of cool. I mean, I thought it was kind of cool. So the very next day at, while we were at the Coast Guard Academy... Things are about to get a little more interesting. And I knew this from the moment that I woke up or while I was down in the semen birthing area. Whoever was on the quarterdeck that morning, um, I can see the person's face. I just don't remember their name. Um, they were having a conversation on the quarterdeck. And I knew they were doing this because they had a hot mic on the 1MC. And what I heard was something along the lines of, get Gonzo to do it. Or something like that. So, already I knew things were going to be interesting for my, uh, for my day. Um, so, a few moments later, I hear, now Seaman Gonzo, late of the fantail. Now, mind you, nobody ever called me Seaman Gonzalez. Even in the most formal settings, I was still introduced to people as Seaman Gonzo. I think people honestly forgot my last name was really Gonzalez. But anyway, none of that really matters. So I get to the fan tail and the BM2 walks up to me and tells me that I am going to be giving a tour of the Thetis. And I'm like, a tour? Okay, well, to who? He's like a bunch of the brand new cadets that just showed up that fall. I'm like, all right, um, really not sure why I was going to be giving the tour, um, but I figured why not? It could be fun. So... Up on the uh, flight deck, there was a whole bunch of Coast Guard cadets. I mean, these are first-year people, hadn't been there that long. So I'm, I'm kind of like, whoa, I've been in the Coast Guard longer than these people. And I honestly think at that point, they probably actually outranked me. Um, so there I was with, um, I don't know, two or three dozen Coast Guard cadets. Um, all joining the asshole factory. Now, mind you, the ass Coast Guard asshole factory, the academy, um, at least in the uh, late 80s and probably still today, is still the most competitive military academy to get into. And I think that's because, well, at least back then, I don't know about now. I should really do my homework. 
there's no like quota from each state um, to get in. So you got there on your own merits, which is kind of cool. It may not be the most popular one. It's definitely the most difficult one to get into. I get up there and there's all these guys and girls looking at me and everyone's standing at attention and looking all nervous. And they really had no idea how nervous I was because I'm just really not a good public speaker. So I introduce myself as Simon Gonzalez. But, you know, of course, I tell them, please call me Gonzo. And um, I explain to them a little bit about what the flight deck was for. And, you know, basically a helicopter comes down the lands, blah, 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 blah. And there's this really weird kind of spongy coating they have on the flight deck. Actually, it's over the whole flight deck. And it feels kind of spongy, but my God, you would not want to fall on this stuff because it was sort of, it's, it wasn't smooth. It was very rough. Um, it was there to help when the helos land to actually catch hold. And also on this particular flight deck, there was a giant, it looked like a cheese grater uh, without the sharp edges in the middle of the flight deck. And I, I think they call it the Talon system. So I, I think the, the plan was that during rough weather, a helo would, you know, shoot out this cable with a hook or a talon on it. And it would grab onto this basically giant cage that was on her flight deck and it could reel itself in. I mean, I, I think that was the, the intent. I don't know if they actually ever implemented anywhere else. It was just in the Thetis as a prototype. So I'm not sure it actually went anywhere. So... Talk to him a little bit about that and the retractable hanger that's on all of the uh, Coast Guard 270s, um, which is kind of cool that, that one minute the hanger is completely out. And it covers about a quarter of the flight deck and then it retracts back and it's all kind of nifty. And then I proceeded to take them up the port side of the ship, which was the only way you can actually get to the bow from the front of, or I'm sorry, from the outside of the ship. Because there was no passageway along the starboard side until you got like halfway up uh, the, the ship. So we, we take a big old ladder to, well, actually, it's, it's, it's stairs, just really steep stairs, not a ladder. But that's what they call them in the Coast Guard, the ladder. So you take the ladder up, and when you get halfway up, or not halfway up the ladder, when you get up the ladder and you're about halfway up the, um, the ship, there's a, like a, a shortcut that cuts through the middle of the ship from the outside uh, by the weapons locker. And there was something else behind it, but it was basically you were cutting across the middle of the ship and just in front of the smokestacks. And that was the only way except from the bridge to get to the starboard side of the ship. And then the starboard side of the ship was the MSB, the motor surf boat. Now this was this big herky looking boat that hung onto the side of the ship that looked like a giant bathtub. Uh, supposedly, the MSB motor surf boat was unsinkable, as in if it, if it got hit by a big wave, it would it would right itself, which, which I think is kind of cool. But not so unsinkable that if someone shot it or threw a bomb at it, that it, it wouldn't sink, because then, you know, it, well, you know, it would sink. Anyway, I didn't really have much to explain about that, because um, at that point... I don't know if we had ever taken uh, the MSB out. Any, we may have. I don't remember. But it was a single screw boat. Um, and you kind of steered it like you would like a car, mostly, sort of, kind of. 
which is kind of nifty. But it, it was basically a giant bathtub that you put in the water, like something from a, from a really bad, like, um, uh, Popeye uh, cartoon. Speaking of which, if you know who Popeye the Sailor Man is, and if you don't, well, you're probably way younger than I am. But Popeye the Sailor Man was actually in the Coast Guard, for those of you who did not know, which I thought was kind of cool. So along with the MSB, uh, I took from there. We went up to the bridge. Now, the bridge is the place that I knew the least about because the only time I was on the bridge was to steer the boat. And, of course, the first time I was up there, you know, if you guys recall from a previous episode, I was hungover and seasick and seasick and hungover. And so, yeah. But so the only thing I did know on there that there was a uh, radar display, which in the future I ended up actually working on that, not that particular radar, um, but on, on another ship that I was on, I was working on that exact same radar system. And we had all these other panels that consoles that were up on the bridge that I had no idea what those were. I would learn later what those were and got to work on those as well. The only other thing I was familiar with was the uh, steering, the the helm with the, the joystick that went left and right. Now, at this point, though, the quartermasters that were basically in charge of the bridge outside of like, you know, the actual captain and the executive officer, um, the bridge was kind of like their home where they worked. And they one of the quartermasters realized or knew, I don't know how they knew this, that if you at a bar, the, the beer taps um, that I think they stole a beer tap from whatever local bar they were in. And they found out that the beer tap actually fit exactly at the same screw uh, or threads as the joystick for the helm. So it, at any one point in time, you're sitting there with, you know, uh, the, the tap from a, a Heineken keg steering the ship, which was really kind of poetic. And it, it changed a couple of times, though. But the one I remember the most was um, the Heineken uh, beer tap that we're using to steer the ship. So. I don't know if they kept that tradition on the Thetis, but it was pretty damn cool. Um, and, and and so from there, there wasn't much else to show them. Uh, there was a secret room, which was the Combat Information Center, which I wasn't allowed into. But again, uh, a year and change later, I would end up working in Combat Information Center. But that's for another story. Um, you can walk out. Onto the bridge wing, there's a port side and starboard side bridge wing. And from there, you can walk to the front of the bridge and just on the outside of the bridge. And you can look down onto the bow of the ship. Now, on the bow of the ship, there's there's a, there's a couple of things up there. There's two giant anchors and the um, anchor capstan, which basically is these giant pulley systems that would lower and bring the anchor up out of the water. But the coolest thing on the bow of the ship was the 76-millimeter cannon. And that that thing, so there's, it shot really fast. It was really loud and was way cool. This is like basically this big round dome-looking thing with the, the big black, you know, barrel coming out of it. It was really cool. Honestly, I didn't get to see much of that in action until, well, until a year and change later when I was 
actually almost two years later, but whatever. Uh, but it was still kind of cool to see. Um, 76 millimeter rapid fire cannon. Um, I think that's, I, I, you know, what is that? Like three inches or something like that? A three inch gun? Something close to that? I don't know. But during all this time, I, I'm, I'll admit, they kept asking a bunch of questions that I couldn't answer. And then when I thought I could make up something, I would. But really, all I was trying to do was crack jokes and, you know, that I was going to end up working for one of these people if I stayed in the Coast Guard for any length of time. I mean, so I, I, I do I do want to remember, uh, remember to mention, though, that so there was one particular um, Coast Guard cadet, female cadet, who would ask me questions. And uh, I, I was just pretty excited that a girl was asking me questions because... You know, I'm like 19 or 20 or something like that. And, uh, you know, I mean, it's pretty much difficult to be in the Coast Guard on a Coast Guard ship with just nothing but dudes around you 24-7. I mean, we did have um, one, I think, one woman on the ship at the time. Uh, She was the engineering officer. So, yeah, so there were pretty limited options at that point. So I, I did what I normally did. I just cracked jokes when I was feeling awkward and, you know, awkward. Yeah. Like, kind of like I am now. But that was sort of the end of it. We, we talked a bunch. I try to not say anything that's going to get me in a whole shit ton of trouble later on. Should the conversations that I had with these cadets ever got back to the ship? Cause you know, that would really have sucked. And, and, and I didn't want to piss off any of these soon to be coast guard officers. I mean, they had like three and a half, four years to go, but like I said, if I was going to stay in, I would end up working for one of them at some point because, I mean, there's a bunch of them. What's, what are the odds? I, it, it would happen. You know, I don't think we stayed there too much longer after that. I think it was a total of like two or three days we stayed in uh, New London, at the Coast Guard Academy. And then we were headed out. As we're going, you know, we're, we're leaving port and we're going back the same way we came in. I think it was on the port side. But there was this big ass rock in the river and somebody had painted USCGC 910, Coast Guard Cutter 910. 910 is is the whole number of the Thetis. Somebody had gone out there in the middle of the night and vandalized it, which was kind of nifty and kind of funny because apparently that same rock also gets painted by the graduating class. So I think we kind of defiled it a little bit. It wasn't me. I had nothing to do with that, but it was still kind of cool. It was all a good fun. And I think our captain kind of thought it was funny. Um, As it turns out, so when we were coming back from Connecticut, we somehow headed and ended up back in uh, Baltimore, Maryland, the Inner Harbor specifically. And what what ended up happening, I still don't remember why we went back there. This was around Thanksgiving time. So, you know, because I was close enough, I actually went home for the holidays. So I got a ride to the train station from uh, the Coast Guard ship and took the train station from um, Baltimore. Went. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Down, hopped on the metro. Eventually, one of my family members picked me up at um, Vienna, Virginia. Spent the, spent the holiday weekend with my family, which is kind of cool. It was always really nice that I was that close. And, you know, just did that family stuff. And then did the reverse and headed back to um, the ship, which is in the Inner Harbor. I think I ended up taking a, a cab from the, the train station to the ship at the Inner Harbor. Now I remember sort of just telling the dude, take me to the Inner Harbor and you'll, there's a Coast Guard ship and they'll see it and blah, 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 blah. I remember the, the, walking along the pier. It was kind of neat because you could see people that were, you know, still around for the the holiday weekend, walking by the ship. And it was, of course, it was dark at this point because uh, it gets, you know, dark early as crap during the winter. In the inner harbor, there's like lights everywhere and stuff like that. So it was just neat watching people sort of walk along the, the pier and looking at the ship because the Coast Guard was something that people who lived in and around the inner harbor um, would see. You didn't really see a... Coast Guard ship of that size moored up along the pier at the Inner Harbor. I get back to the ship that evening, and then I learned that uh, three Coast Guard cadets came to the ship looking for me. And one of them was apparently the girl that kept asking all the questions. I mean, she asked for me by name. Well, she, she said, is Seaman, you know, Gonzo here? And that, that you know... That's just my kind of luck. You know, it's just, how does that happen to me? 
I go home, have a good time, and I come to find out that, you know, a Coast Guard cadet chick was asking for me. How cool would that would have been? I mean, anyway, yeah, so clearly I made an impression on them. It wasn't too long after that, the, the ship left, and we ended up in Yorktown, Virginia. Yorktown is somewhere near Norfolk, Virginia to this day. I think I've only been to that base one or two other times, so I don't remember much about it. We, we ended, actually, take that back. So we, we did end up at a place that was similar to the Inner Harbor. It might have been Portsmouth, Virginia. Oh, geez, I don't remember. But I, I remember that we stayed there, and it was freaking cold there. I remember I had the mid-watch, and, um, of course, I don't, I don't know what it was. Um, yeah. yeah, I had the mid-watch there. It was freezing. And, you know, it was close enough that I could, you could see where everyone was, like, outside drinking and stuff, and it was really kind of cool. But there was one night we were there, I'm, I'm walking around, like, with, some of the other guys in the Coast Guard. And of course, I was underage and I couldn't drink at all. There's all these tables of people sitting outside, which still I don't understand because it was freaking cold. There was actually someone I knew from high school. And I, I think it, um, this person, was it was, it was a girl, um, had been going to ODU, Old Dominion University. I think that's what it was. And I was like, holy crap. And I walked up to her and I started talking to her and I know she recognized me because um, I, 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 it was a little embarrassing. We were in band at one point or another uh, back when I was in high school. Though, I mean, she was she was cute and blonde and I'm just this nerdy dude. And sure, she's like, oh, my God, this guy is really talking to me. So, you know, I, I, I left feeling a little dejected because it was clear she did not want to talk to me. So anyway. Later on, like the next day or whatever, I ended up on duty. And and when you are on duty, you I said duty, you can't leave the boat. Well, um, necessarily, you're kind of stuck there. But on the but during the day, like occasionally a, a tourist would walk by the boat and you'd, you know, you'd say hi to them, and of course, you'd you'd, you'd talk to them. You'd, 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 you know, you'd you do the public relations thing. You're supposed to do that. But at, at night, um, you know, this is about midnight. Very few people show up at the ship. Things are a lot more relaxed, um, you know, basically after a tap, 10 o'clock or 2200 for you military types. And again, this is after Thanksgiving. It's freaking freezing. And I'm all I'm wearing is a long sleeve Coast Guard shirt. I wasn't wearing a jacket. It was probably like, you know, in the low 30s. I'm not sure why I wasn't feeling cold, but the gunner's mate that was on duty with me, he was the, um, the, 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 the petty officer on the quarterdeck with me. He was all wrapped up and bundled up like, um, in, in, you know, a big old park up. And I, the dude smoked like a chimney. I mean, he smoked all the time. I'm not really sure that what he was doing was actually healthy for him. Um, but yeah, he smoked a lot, but whatever. We eventually left um, wherever we're, 
we were home, not home ported, or wherever we were um, moored up. And we did eventually end up at the Coast Guard station um, in Yorktown, Virginia, or the Coast Guard base. It wasn't really a station. I think they had a station there. I don't actually remember leaving the ship when we got to uh, the base in Yorktown, but that didn't stop a few other people from leaving the ship. And apparently they also left the ship with a few cans of paint. Now, I didn't see what was actually happening, at least not until the next day when we were leaving Yorktown. I mean, we might have been there for two days, but I didn't leave the ship because I was on duty, I think. Um, But let, let me just say what happened didn't go over nearly as well as the painting stunt did in New London. These painters spelled out USCGC, Queen of the Caribbean, in big-ass letters on the pier. The worst part about it was that they spelled Caribbean wrong. It was a fact that I was pointed out by our captain. Now, he was pissed. This wasn't a, a, a prank that was, um, was going to go over really well. And someone was going to have to pay to have all that stuff removed. And it was going to cost somebody a shit ton of money because this was like on concrete. So they're going to have to sandblast this crap off. So the the vandals, as they were called, um, well, I, I guess it would have been funnier if they actually hadn't spelled the shit wrong. But uh, yeah, that... Uh, so what they basically assumed it was somebody from the deck department because really that was the only place you could readily get paint because the deck department were the ones in charge of the paint locker. Now, I'm not entirely sure that was an accurate way to be thinking because it was nobody from the deck department that did any of the painting at the um, the Coast Guard Academy. Nobody said anything. We kept our mouths shut. And then from there, we were headed off to the um, customs base or station in Charleston, South Carolina. Uh, we were told that if we did anything like what happened at Yorktown, um, we would be in real trouble. Or the people that did it would be in real trouble. Uh, I, I think at this point, everyone just assumed that the fun was over. And I, I think we all at the time had a healthy respect for customs because they were, they were kind of a big deal way back then. And customs is, you know, now um, has a whole different thing now being part of DHS and all this kind of stuff. But I know that I did not leave the ship either when we got to uh, Charleston, South Carolina. I really didn't leave the boat all that much. Well, basically because I was underage and going out and hanging out with people just uh, off the ship wasn't going to be that much fun. And oh, and somewhere along all of this, I did get promoted to E3, which is a full seaman, not just a seaman apprentice. And I had put my name on the list, school list to go to uh, electronic school at the time was in uh, New York City. In uh, at, a, at a place called Governor's Island, which was in uh, South Manhattan. It's um, right there by the uh, Staten Island Ferry Terminal is how you got to it. 
And the only way really to get to uh, Governor's Island was on the Coast Guard Ferry. I mean, I'm sure somebody could swim or take another boat to get over there. But if you didn't come from the ferry, you were probably going to get in trouble. After we left Charleston, South Carolina, um, we were pretty much on our way to the home port of Key West. Now, I hadn't been back to Key West in six months. And thankfully, we were getting to Key West. Was it six months? Probably a little longer than six months. But it was cool because it's December and we're getting back to Florida and the weather was nice and it was all kind of cool. It was a big deal that we were getting back to Key West because a lot of people, you know, their families had all moved to Key West waiting for, you know, their husbands to show up. And um, it was kind of cool. I mean, I got when we got there, I I got off the ship and was able to meet a couple old friends that were still in Key West. Um, Some of them, though, had left and gone to school or they were underway. As it turns out, um, my old roommate for a while, Rob Diamond, he had actually already left to go to ET school. I, I don't remember him wanting to be an ET. I think he wanted to be a yeoman or something like that. Um, I, I, I don't remember. Um, I also ran into one of the, the base gunner's mates. This was one cool dude. He was always, always super nice to me. Um yeah, I remember him. Um, he told me about this uh, radio man who actually was a radio woman uh, that I had been friends with for uh, uh, quite a bit in um, in Key West. Now, nothing weird ever happened or anything like that to write home about, but he made it a point to tell me that uh, she had gotten a place off base and I should go pay her a visit, and um, which... Man, that was kind of embarrassing the way he put it because um, I had no idea that that this particular person was into me. Um, maybe, again, I'm just was 19-year-old stupid kid. I, yeah, I had no idea. But, you know, after getting back to Key West, I really wasn't there much longer. Um, it might have been a couple of weeks or something like that. Um, also, while... We were in route or while I was in the shipyards, my orders came in for um, ET school. So I was going to be leaving soon. And so, I, you know, I hung out with as many people as I could that I can remember from Key West when I was there previously. And a couple of the seamen, particularly this one guy, a uh, Mexican dude from Texas, um, Seaman Mark. And we were thick as thieves. We hung out a lot, um, probably more um, than Seaman Dan and I did. Uh, we hung out a bunch. And there was actually one time when we were in the Inner Harbor in Baltimore that he let me use his ID to get into uh, a couple of bars. It was, it was his Coast Guard ID, and those pictures were black and white. Um, if you, and if you looked at the picture, people couldn't tell that he wasn't me or I wasn't him. Because we both were both dark complected, and we both had boot camp haircuts in the in our pictures, so we looked alike, and so it was really kind of weird. <clears throat> uh, so so occasionally I did get to go out, but we didn't 
abuse or I didn't abuse that privilege too much of using his ID um, to go out drinking because he would use his Texas ID because uh, if we had got caught, that would have been seriously bad news for the both of us. Uh, there was one time um, when I was home for the holidays that I don't particularly remember exactly when. It might have been like the following year. But I was at my parents' house again around Thanksgiving or Christmas time. So back home, I guess I was the one that was closest to the telephone. So it rang. And because back then, no one had cell phones unless you were a drug dealer or something like that. But I remember picking up the phone and holy fucking shit, it was Seaman Mark. I'm like, I'm like, how did you know I was home? And he said, if there was any way for you to make it home for the holidays, I knew you would. So I thought I'd give you a call, which is really kind of weird because at this point, um, he had ended up going to Elizabeth City in North Carolina to go to a Coast Guard aviation school. I think he was going to be a Coast Guard mechanic, aviation mechanic, I mean, which um, is kind of cool to be a mechanic on a, on a helicopter. Although I'd be too worried that if I did something wrong, <laughs> you know, it would be all over the news and that would be really bad. So um, back to Key West, I'm all packed up and was, you know, pulling my stuff together. And uh, there's a there's a cab waiting for me on the pier. A few of the folks that were still around uh, from the deck department were on the quarterdeck waiting to see me off. And one of the ETs um, who was on the quarterdeck was, was was there too. Uh, it's really it was really a weird sort of surreal moment. I'm not sure I mentioned it before, but uh, maybe I did. A few of the ETs, one in particular, did not like me and really didn't think I would make it as electronics technician. But that dude actually was one of the guys on the quarterdeck to wish me well and say goodbye. Um, it was really kind of cool. And it was weird leaving this place that I had called home or these people who were sort of part of this weird dysfunctional family. But I had been with these people for six, seven months. I mean, you... You ate breakfast with them, lunch, dinner. I slept beside a couple of them, you know, because, you know, in our racks we had, it was really bizarre. You knew all of their bad habits and their just the weirdest things, but it was really weird. The one thing that all of us still to this day share in common is that we're plank owners on the Thetis. Now, being a plank owner, it's kind of a big deal. At least it was then, maybe not so much anymore. But essentially, it means you are one of the founders of that ship, like the founder of a company, so to speak. Uh, but we, but it was kind of a big deal. I felt kind of cool about it. I said my goodbyes to everyone. Even Seaman Mark was there. He came up and gave me a really big hug, which felt really weird at the time because up to that point, I think the, the only person that ever hugged me that – um it wasn't a woman was like my dad or one of my, my grandfather, I think. So getting a hug from a dude was still kind of new to me. <laughs> it was kind of weird. I just wasn't used to it. Um, but it was cool. So as, my, as I turned to the quarter deck and I saluted them, I turned and I saluted the flag and started my way down the gangway. And then I heard it. Two bells ringing over the one MC. 
and those words that made me happy and sad all at the same time. And yeah, maybe my eyes were sweating a little bit. Now, Seaman Gonzo departing. And as my foot hit the shore, one more bell rang. Followed by, now, Seaman Gonzo ashore. And with that last announcement, I was no longer part of the crew of the Coast Guard Cutter Thetis. I was officially attached to the Coast Guard base in Governor's Island, New York. But first, I was headed home for a few weeks. You've been listening to Gonzo the Coast Guard Years Key West, written and produced by Tim Gonzalez. And I'm Nicholas Gonzalez, the voice guy. Join us next week for another episode of Gonzo the Coast Guard Years. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.